Hi, my name is Titi Mutendi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of Enterprising Families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Enterprising Families and on this episode of Enterprising Families I have Dove Barron and he is one of my absolute favorite favorite people in the world to talk to because his take on life and his take on surging through life and succeeding is just so unique and is inspiring in so many ways. I'm so excited to have him here talking about Dragon Leaders and I think it's best to let to, to welcome him and let him introduce himself before I, I jump into something I have very little understanding of. Welcome, Dove. Thank you so much, Sitsi. It's a pleasure to be here. It's an honor. Thank you. Um, who am I? Dove Baron, as you said, D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N. Um, you can find out about me at dovebaron.com. Uh, I've been a speaker for 36 years. Uh, Speaking all, spoken all over the world. Haven't spoken in the continent of Africa, unfortunately yet. Um, but all over Europe and uh, Asia, Indonesia, Australia, uh, Europe, and even Tehran. Uh, written several books and uh, have many different programs and do a lot of work with family enterprise, um, particularly in helping them to understand how to create next-gen leaders and the distinction between a next-gen leader and a past-gen leader and and what it is that drives new leadership versus old leadership and and that um, a lot of the idea of, well, this is how we do it is actually a, just a really great way to make sure that you the legacy ends with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so today our chosen topic is dragon leaders. How to an inspired or inspiring next generation and how we can create more dragon leaders and what does it actually mean to be a dragon leader? So my first question is, and I think everybody's wondering, what is a dragon leader? Sure. Well, obviously it's a metaphor. I'm not asking anybody to turn into a literal (laughs) dragon, but it came out as a metaphor because um, my, one of my original studies was Jungian psychology and the hero's journey and um, what that actually is. And if you look at those myths, you'll, you find all kinds of different elements. But one of the elements is dragons, of course, which mm-hmm. we're all familiar with. <laughs> and dragons can be pretty scary creatures in the context of the way that we see them. But when you read deeply into the, into the mythology, they're a fascinating creature. So first of all, uh, dragons are co- covered in these pe- impenetrable um, scales. Mm-hmm. Um, and the legends, they build shields from them and knives from them. And, the, you know, they're impenetrable. Mm-hmm. So they're really tough, really powerful, strong. Mm-hmm. When a dragon enters into a room, it's not a little, uh, little blast of smoke. It's, you know, there's, there's fire there. There's presence. Mm-hmm. Dragons also don't fly in big flocks. You know, they fly either alone or in a small group. So they are leading in a way that is far beyond anybody else. They're very protected. But here's what's fascinating about them is, you know, we think about them as this fire and all the rest of it. But if you read the mythology, the front scale on a dragon, the one that is right over the heart, is actually translucent. 
So you can see the heartbeat underneath. Wow. So they lead with the fire that they have, mm -hmm. but they also lead with the heart and they're most vulnerable. Wow. So they're totally vulnerable and filled with fire. So they show both at exactly the same time. And I love that metaphor on top of that. So here they are seeming impenetrable and yet completely vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So they're powerful, but vulnerable. They breathe fire. They burn away that which is false. And that in the mythology is what they're doing. They're burning away the lies. And dragons always in mythology, they sit on gold, mm -hmm. which is a metaphor. They protect that which is precious. Okay. So a dragon leader protects that which is precious, mm -hmm. is powerful, is strong, but is completely vulnerable and is willing to burn down the lies that they are presented with, including their own lies. So what we say about dragon leaders, if you want to be a dragon leader, the first place you must breathe fire is onto your, the lies you tell yourself mm -hmm. so that you can become a better leader. But to do that, you have to first find your own dragon fire because every human being has it, but how do you tap into it? Because it's not passion. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. And just as you were describing that, I think the first thing that I thought of is um, I'm a, a Tolkien fan. So the first thing I thought mm. of was Smaug the dragon. <laughs> And yeah, I can and sitting on the sitting on the gold. Yes, sitting on the gold. And even when he took to flight, I mean, his the way he spoke, um, his scales went impenetrable, impenetrable. But then also, like you said, he had that spot where his heart was, and that was the soft spot. That was the exactly. and when he flew, that when they managed to take him down it was because they could see it, that vulnerability, that ability to be vulnerable, although he was strong. And so that gets me to, to, to thinking and asking, as we're looking at dragon leaders as the next generation, mm -hmm. because obviously, or in, in thinking of the, the transfer that's going on right now from one generation to another, there yes. is that need for this next generation to find themselves, to find a, a spot where they are leading families, where they're leading yes. companies, and they're yes. taking it into a very unknown future because 2020 has, has been very clearly um, shown us that, well, the future is not as we anticipated and we don't even Definitely know what not. to anticipate. How can this next gen who is looking at a future that they're not so sure of step into somebody else's space that has already been created and become a dragon leader that can lead a family and that can mm -hmm. lead a company? So the first thing is to exactly what you said here. So there's this there's two entities and one is the entity that is the family business, the enterprise as is. Mm -hmm. And then there is the next gen leader. Um, and the problem with next gen leaders, as, as you, I know you're aware of, and I have confronted a lot in my work is that there is this idea of legacy and the legacy is this is what we do. Now, if you are following that rule, that's a great recipe for disaster, because if you're doing what you did, you are simply saying, this is how we're going to die, because there's not enough adaptability. And what, you know, 
what 2020 has shown us very well mm-hmm. is um, agility is the new is the new certainty. There is no certainty. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there never was, but even anything that we resemble certainty has gone out of the window. And so we know we have to have agility. We have to be agile and we have to be resilient. Now, if you have a family business that's two, three, four, five, 20 generations deep, of course, you have enormous resilience, mm-hmm. of course. But if your resilience is there, but your agility is not, what you are is inflexible. And if you're inflexible, then you will break. You will break. It's just a matter of time. So when we talk about being a, becoming a dragon leader as a next gen, you go to the legacy and you say, okay, what are at the base of this, what is the fundamental values of this organization? Now, most family businesses say, well, this is our values. And honestly, they're not much better than a mission statement on the wall. Who gives a crap? Nobody cares. It's got nothing to do with anything. It's really rhetoric. It's not got any deep substance to it. Mm-hmm. So we have to, so when we gather our family together, we're asking them, okay, so you've got on the, on the wall, we are about integrity. Okay, what does integrity mean? Mm-hmm. And then we go around the room and we find out what integrity is. And what we find out is that most of it is nothing more than rhetoric. It's something that people say, but they don't actually know what it means. Mm. They mm. don't know what it means. So I say, okay, integrity. So, you know, somebody says, well, you know, the, you, you've got to do as you say, say as you do. So, okay, so you, you've got to be accountable. Yes. All right. So does that mean to everybody or just to the people above you? <laughs> or to the to the people who own the stocks or to the family or what you know what is it mm-hmm. mm. oh now we've hit a pause yeah it's not integrity then it's mm-hmm. only integrity if it is universal so are you integrable and accountable to the person who is your receptionist mm-hmm. who says to you people keep calling and telling us that we suck <laughs> are you responsible to that Are you willing to step into that? If you're not, you don't have integrity. It's a word, but it doesn't mean anything. So we have to go, what is is at the essence, the maxims, the depth of this organization? Then we come back to the leader or the next gen leader and we say, okay, now let me ask you a question. What matters most to you? Mm -hmm. And so they'll say, you know, things again, like integrity or trust or innovation or whatever it is. Again, what does that mean? We have to boil that down. And then we get to the dragon player. So now they've got all this stuff and it's all very heady and nobody gives a crap. Nobody really cares at all. It's mm-hmm. just heady. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks it's right and they're all feeling puffed up and proud of themselves, but it's actually not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. So I say, now we're going to go to what the dragon fire is. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start having a very deep and emotionally uncomfortable conversation. Are you willing to do that? Yes. Do you want to really change Um, your industry? Do you want to really excel in your industry? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to ask each of you to write down privately the answer to this question. And they go, okay, what's the question? I want you to write down, you're not going to have to tell your mom or your dad or anybody else, but I want you to write down what you needed as a child that you couldn't get or that you couldn't get enough of. Mm. So you go, "Mm, I don't know. Now in a family business, there's a pretty good chance you grew up with a lot of stuff. Right. Because, you know, your family business has probably done all right and you've had a decent lifestyle. So you go, you know, well, I didn't need any, I need a better school. I didn't, you know, okay. But what did you need? So I'll give you an example of one of the people we did it with. Um, you know, we, we're in this great meeting with them and he said, well, 
you know, and he names off stuff and we're like, no, it's not stuff. What did you need that you couldn't get or couldn't get enough of? He goes, connection to my dad. And I go, great. Okay. Then he went, no, no, no. Actually, I had connection with my dad. And I said, oh, okay. Tell me, where, how did you have connection with your dad? He goes, well, my dad would take me fishing. Mm-hmm. And it was a wonderful connection. It was intimate between the two of us. I said, that, that is really great. How often did that happen? He goes, twice. I go, again, the question is, what did you need? Or what did you need that you couldn't get enough of? connection with dad is still the answer you did get it but you only got like a little here's a little soupçon of it as opposed to the full banquet right so uh-huh. you get a little <laughs> little palate cleanser of it but that was about all mm-hmm. so now we start going okay so what you needed was a connection to your father mm-hmm. so a connection to somebody who and so there's a well, what did you need from that and we start examining what that is mm-hmm. for him what did that mean? What would that have given you? And so he started to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And I said, now, what if you did that in your business? What if you gave the very thing that you needed? And he said, well, we're not in that industry. Aha, just because you're in an industry doesn't mean you can't give it. You can give it. So another simple example was a guy who I did some work with who is one of the leading brand guys in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about this Dragonfire idea and the idea of looking at, at your Dragonfire and the potential of, you know, looking in these painful places. And he's like, well, I don't know if, uh, I, I don't know. He says, I feel like I want to back up when you say that. I said, that's okay. Everybody has that feeling. And he goes, so I don't think it's true. And I go, that's all right. Uh, tell me about your childhood again. So he says, well, you know, you know, I was born in LA. I was born a mixed race kid in a very poor part of LA. You know, and now he's very wealthy, very successful. I said, oh, yeah, that's cool. And I said, how did you feel? And he goes, well, I felt like I didn't fit in with the black kids. I didn't fit in with the white kids. I just felt kind of invisible. I was like, okay. And I said, tell me something. And he goes, well, I said, what do you do for a living? He goes, you know what I do. I said, I do. Tell me what you do for a living. He goes, well, I'm the brand guy. And I go, yeah, but what specifically do you do? He goes, well, I make companies that are kind of invisible in the environment. I make them stand out and become very visible. I go, and how did you feel as a child? And he went, oh my God, you're right. I felt invisible. I go, Ta-da! that's what it is. It's bringing to the world what it is you needed. As a dragon leader, that's what you're doing. And mm. you're doing it for everybody in your team. You're, and you're having them find theirs and tie it to what it is we do. How does this, this thing that we do as a company, serve that part of you that is a fire in your soul so that you can make a difference that is beyond you, beyond your generation, that will outlive you as a legacy, not of money or even of power or influence, but outlive you in, in a context of making a difference at a soulful level to everybody that you interact with. And then when you, then the people who buy from you and the people who work for you are on fire also to serve that. So now you've got, you've got leaders who are bringing people in very quickly, who are bonding those people to them that create this, this movement, this culture that is a movement forward, a culture of workers, a culture of coworkers, and of course, a culture of clients. So that's what it's actually about. That's what is, is driving it. Wow. Wow. Just listening to you there, I'm realizing that there's just so much to unpack and there's just Mm -hmm. so much thought in um, when you look at the work that we all do, we're filling a certain gap. 
and we mm-hmm. identify gaps in products and services and mm-hmm. we naturally assume that that gap is something that other people need and we don't realize that sometimes we're just a reflection of other people and the customers that gravitate towards that are probably customers that also needed that so our authenticity as leaders is to find that one thing that we needed or what that we need and we deliver that because we know exactly what it is we know exactly how it makes us feel or how it made us feel am i getting that right yeah you're definitely on the right path um the thing i just want to be clear here is that mm-hmm. where people get trapped is mm-hmm. they, they they do the market analysis and they go there's a need for this mm-hmm. okay but here's what everybody forgets You've never made a decision in your life that wasn't emotionally based. Mm. Well, I'm a very rational guy, Dov. You don't understand. I don't care. You can say whatever you want. Well, I do care. It doesn't matter what you say. The truth Mm. of the matter is that human beings, it's not my opinion, it's psychological research. We make every decision based on emotion first, and then we rationalize that decision. Mm-hmm. Right. So I say to people, okay, what vehicle do you drive? They tell me this vehicle. Why? Well, it's very economical. And they tell me all these logistics and, and, uh, and logical reasons. Like, yep. That's great. What color is it? Oh, it's red. Why? It's my favorite color. That's an emotional decision. Mm-hmm. You made the decision emotionally. Yes. So yeah, you justified with all this, but if I'd have given you a yellow, one of those cars with all the, all the fixings that you liked, you wouldn't be as happy with it. Would you No. no. That's the point. So when we, when we get past that, when we're willing to confront that in ourselves, then we go, okay, so what do I, what is it that is needed in the world? Because you've got two classifications. You've got what people want mm-hmm. and what people need. Mm-hmm. And people will tell you what they want. They won't tell you what they need. That's your job as a leader. Mm-hmm. You have to find that out from your co um, Leaders, you have to find out from the people who work with you. You have to find out from your teams. You have to find out from your customers. What do they need? Mm-hmm. Right? So um, when you look at, you know, you say, well, I want something to, you know, I want some Chinese food. But what do you need? You need nutrition. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a difference between a want and a need. Right? So I, uh, I want a cigarette or I want a drink. What do you need? I need relief from stress. That's a different thing. You're simply, so once I usually to placate needs, but they don't work. When we start looking at ourselves and go, well, you know, what do you really need? So in my work, I'm working with people who are very, very successful who don't really want for anything. You know, they can afford another car or another house, another boat, whatever it is. So they don't, and, and people say, well, what do you want? They go, I don't really know because nobody's asking them, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And when they, when you do ask them, they'll say, I don't know because mm-hmm. they've been so out of touch with their own needs. Mm-hmm. But through my process, I get them to see, well, what have you always needed? And so as a result, many of these families and family businesses and leaders um, who are next gen are stepping in and saying, you know, the whole family has given me everything I want, but I've never had what I needed. And when we don't get what we need, this is what's important about this. When we don't get what we need, mm-hmm. it comes out negatively. So we start playing it out in a bad way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the I, I, I've got all these things I want, 
I didn't get what I need. So I'm going to get what I need, but in a, in a roundabout and often non-productive and maybe even destructive manner. So that's the advantage of this. So when I see next gen leaders who are entitled little shits, and by the way, you know, I know you probably don't use that kind of language on here, but that's the behavior and it needs to be confronted. And I'm okay with confronting it because they're not behaving like entitled little shits because they're horrible human beings. Mm. It's because they have a need that nobody's bothered to listen to and that they don't know how to articulate, mm -hmm. but they need somebody to say, here's why you're behaving in a way that's not working for you or for the family or for the next generation of business. So let me help you with that. So you can get your need met. You can become a magnificent human being that has fire in their belly. That's always been there, but has been dampened and repressed and hidden. And that you can bring that up to actually give you the wings, to give you the flight, to burn down the lies you've been telling yourself mm -hmm. so that you can truly protect which is, that which is valuable, which is part of your family origin and part of your family legacy. That's why it's important. Mm. And just listening to you, like I always say, conversations with you always blow my mind. They, ha they help me to <laughs> really you. think deeply about even uh, my own thought processes what is it that I need? And I'm sure everybody mm -hmm. who's listening to this, no matter what generation they're from, they're probably sitting there and thinking, what is it that I need? And how do you advise people to, I, to, to what tools do you need? What do you need to do to identify a need? And that's two needs in one sentence. So what are the steps you need to take to identify needs? And I'm looking at this at a surfacey level because I sure. know there's a lot more work that needs to be done to really get to the crux of it. But then to yeah. get started on that journey, what is it that, what are the steps that one needs to actually look at and start doing? So thank you for asking. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Um, we can do it here. It's not the same as you know, me sitting with you. I mean, when, when I work with a client initially, they will spend 24 hours straight with us mm -hmm. and we go very deep and we find out exactly what it is, but you're absolutely right. There are some, some tools and some clues. Again, number one, what did I need as a child that I couldn't get or couldn't get enough of? Mm -hmm. That's a great place to start. Here's another one. And again, it's a little confrontive, but it works. Mm -hmm. What pisses me off? What upsets me? And so people go, you know, uh, uh, contemporarily, they might say Donald Trump. I'm just using that as an example. And I go, but Donald Trump is, is not something that's always bothered you, mm -hmm. right? He probably didn't bother you in the 80s. You never even probably thought about him or the 90s. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe as a president, he does. But that's only a four-year stretch. What's bothered you for as long as you can remember? Mm -hmm. So as a child, I can clearly remember being bothered by the fact that I looked out at my family and saw my aunt dating the same man with a new face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My aunt, who was a beautiful woman, who was uh, a highly intelligent woman, would keep ending up in these crappy relationships with men who I could see had a new face, but they were the same guy. And she mm -hmm. was raving about them, the best things in sliced bread. But they would end up being exactly the same. It was the same problem. Mm -hmm. And it bothered me to see intelligent people repeating patterns. So I, that bothered me for as long as I could possibly remember. One, another thing that bothered me was that I was uh, the only Jewish family in a, in a secular environment, and I got bullied because of that. So 
I became very sensitive to racism and, and all those kinds of things. And so I speak about that as a white guy. I speak about racism um, because I understand it from a level of prejudice, not from a level of race. Mm -hmm. uh, as I always say, race is something that enters the room before you do. But prejudice about anything else is I have to tell you and then you can be prejudiced against me. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, I'm not comparing it because it's not the same. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, so these are things that bothered me for as long as I could possibly understand. The other thing was that I was born in abject poverty. I was mm -hmm. fascinated and bothered by the, what, why were people born into wealth and other people were not? I wanted to understand the, the meaning of life. I wanted to understand these things. So I started looking at all these things that bothered me forever. Mm -hmm. Not since last week, not since the economy went down, not since COVID, not since Donald Trump, not since Bolsonaro got presidency in Brazil. You know, since as long as you can remember what has bothered you, that is actually the fire within you starting to the embers are starting to say, hold on, this is this is tied to your reason to be here on, on the planet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is actually always tied to that deeper need within you, that need that didn't get satisfied. Mm -hmm. So when you start looking at those things and you bring it together, you say, what do I need? And one of the another way to do it is in reverse which is what did I want that I thought was going to make me feel happy that didn't. So, you know, people go, oh, well, you know, I wanted to make my first million. And you figured that would make you happy. Yes. Did it? Absolutely. How long for? A month. Okay, fantastic. And what did you do after that? Well, I figured it wasn't enough. I probably needed 5 million because a million can go away pretty quick. Uh -huh. Okay, great. Did you get 5 million? Yes. How long did that make you happy? Well, that made me happy for a couple of months. Great. And then what? Well, then I realized it probably wasn't enough. And I started to invest. And, you know, and then we see that these things just keep going on. So the problem with, with our world is we live in a world that, that caters to wants, that doesn't satiate needs. Mm -hmm. So it caters to the wants, makes us feel good about the wants. It works, but only for a very short period of time. Whereas a need is much deeper. Like... You know, you might be young enough that you want sex, but what you need is connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You need connection. That's a human being needs connection. Now, you might like sex. You might want sex. It might be fabulous and you might have a wonderful time and enjoying it. But what you're really looking for is how to get connected to somebody in a deeply, in a way that makes you feel like they get me. Mm -hmm. We're all looking for that. Mm -hmm. And your job in your process is to get yourself. Mm. So if you want to think about it for a moment, if you've ever been in love, I know the words you used when somebody said, well, what is it you love about this guy or this gal or whoever it is? And, you, and at some point you said, he, she gets me. It's that feeling of feeling gotten. The reason you, you have a favorite aunt or a favorite uncle or a favorite cousin or a best friend is because you feel gotten by them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, what would happen if you had a, pro a process that allowed you to get you?
that's what finding your dragon fire is. It's a process for finding out how you can get you so that you can serve in the world so that you can get up after two hours sleep and be energized to do what it is you do because you're on fire to make that difference. It's when you look in your bank account and you go, wow, we're well, not making any profit, but it doesn't matter because I have to do this. Mm -hmm. It's not because I have to, because I'm a workaholic. I have to, because I will feel like I'm dying inside if I don't get to do this. Mm -hmm. That is when you are living from a place of dragon fire. So those are all ways you can start to find the elements of your dragon fire. Wow. 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 Thank you so much, Dove, for for joining me on this episode of Enterprising Families, for enlightening us, opening up our minds and really getting us to think about our needs. What is it that we need? And as leaders, are we using that knowledge to be able to be better leaders and dragon leaders? Can you share with us one last parting word that you would give to our listeners today uh, that will make them go away and think, I really, really need to find that dragon leader within myself. Thank you for asking. Um, my sign off of everything that I do is stay curious, my friends, stay curious. Mm -hmm. I believe that curiosity is the salve for all our wounds. Mm -hmm. People talk about love and communication. All those things are very important, but without curiosity, they all fall apart. And what will make you a better leader is curiosity. What will make you a dragon leader is curiosity. What will make you a better lover, better husband, better wife, better partner, better anything is curiosity. Questions require answers mm -hmm. and somebody ends up wrong. Mm -hmm. Whereas curiosity requires a deepening of understanding. So when you get an answer, go deeper, ask a deeper question become more curious, become more fascinated. What, ha what would happen if you became, and this is what I want you to understand, what would happen if you became deeply curious about everybody who works for you? What would be happen if you became deeply curious about everybody who works with you? What would, become, what would happen if you became deeply curious about every customer you have? What would happen if you became deeply curious about those people you perceive as your competitors? How would that transform your leadership? How would that transform your business? How would that transform your bottom line? Curiosity is the key. It's what you must go to. Curiosity. And then when you get curious, you have to get courageous. Then you have to step into your courage and take action because curiosity on its own is the foundation, but you have to have the courage to take action. And then when you take the action, you have to have more, more curiosity about is it the right action and is it fulfilling my soul? That's what I wanted to leave you with. Amazing, amazing stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dove. My pleasure, my honor. Thank you for having me here. And I hope that you, as you listen to this, will write to Sitsi and let her know what you got out of this. Because listen, information is worth the hole in the donut. Transformation comes from application. What are you going to do with this? Write to her. You can write to me, dove at dovebaron.com. Tell me what you got out of it and what you're going to do with this. And also go to iTunes or wherever it is you listen to the podcast, rate, review, and subscribe to the show and share it with others. Let's not hoard. Nobody gets wealthy from hoarding. We need to get wealthy emotionally, mentally, spiritually, as well as financially. So rate, review, and share the show with everybody you know. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome.